Warning, this episode may contain adult content. I'm pretty sure it actually does, Jeff. And not a may contain it. I think it does. Oh, it's confirmed? Yeah. Okay, so you want to give the uh, audible disclaimer? Audible discretion is advised. Yes, we're talking in this episode about the importance of our adult leadership staff and working with students. As we were prepping this, we went back to our histories of working with adult leaders and we realized that we had some pretty strange situations that we've had to deal with. Put quotes around that word, situations. Or strange. That too. So that will come up today in our discussion, which is why we're giving a fair warning with quotations there around warning. You can choose to shut this off or it might pique your interest. That's right. So what are the non-negotiables of adult leaders? Well, let's find out. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. All right, welcome back to this episode of The Thought Factory. We're glad you're with us. Our listenership continues to grow. We are so glad you're part of it with us. And uh, as we've been doing this season, Jason, there's something coming up at the end, a little Easter egg at the end of this episode. Every episode includes a bonus segment. So when the episode appears to be done... We want to just say, no, it's not. There's more. So hang on. And many of you have been downloading. You've been getting this resource that we've been talking about. But if you haven't yet, I want to encourage you right now, go to neverthesame.org slash podcast. And there you can get your hands on this beautifully well done trend report for free. Go get it. It has a lot of the stats, information, and research that we're doing where we get a lot of our content from for the podcast. Last episode was about politicizing schools from a adult point of view. So we are ending that type of series on the schools. But you may want to check that out if you want to hear our interview with Josh Liggins, who is involved in the Parkland School District and his thoughts on what happened after the school shooting back in February. So in this first segment, we want to talk about what we learned from students, Jason, this summer and uh, answer to a couple questions that we asked them. The first question we asked them is, who do you talk to the most about your faith? And this one of the other questions we ask is, have you grown spiritually in the last year? And if so, where do you think you have grown the most? And then one more, if you have grown, what do you attribute that growth to? You may have been tipped off already by the title of the podcast, but we are talking about the small group leader and its importance and who they are. Now, when we looked at the stats about whom you talk to the most about your faith, the top answer amongst mom and dad, other family members, friends, youth pastor, small group leaders, was 33% said small group leader, which was the top answer. Now, friends came in second, mom and dad came in third, and sadly, in last place, youth pastor. So one out of three students are saying they talk to their small group leader the most about their faith, even more than their moms or dads. Now, I know in all the years I've been involved in youth ministry and even having students of my own and having one right now who is an adolescent in middle school, I know that there's that important voice that comes from outside of our family. And to me, that's one of the reasons why youth ministry and what we do with adolescents is so important because it's adding that voice, right? It's it's another person that's speaking speaking in a time in their life where they just many times, in fact, I would say most of the time students I've worked with, they need that extra voice coming from outside their family. That's why it's so crucial to have solid small group leaders, because if you as a parent want another voice into your child's life in regards to their faith development and spiritual growth, well, the youth pastor is important. The small group leader is important. 
And you may go, I don't know if I want my kids' friends to be influencing them in their faith journey. And so if you are in youth ministry, this episode is all about the importance of recruiting those solid small group leaders. So the other question we ask is, how have you grown spiritually in the last year? And if so, where? Now, when students said when it comes to their faith and trust in God, that's where they're growing the most. About 66%, two out of three, are saying their faith and their trust in God is where they're growing the most. But I think the link, Jason, that, that we thought was really interesting is we asked them, if you have grown spiritually, what do you attribute that growth to? Again, we come back to the youth pastor, small group leader at 33%. That is the top answer. They are attributing their growth to that outside voice beyond their parents, beyond even just their friends. They are saying, my small group leader is extremely important, my youth pastor. And even the second the second place is my church at almost 30%. So between the two, we see that there is a lot of influence that you have as a small group leader, a youth pastor, a church worker, someone who is speaking into a, a child's life. So with that in mind, knowing that that third voice, that other outside voice, that small group leader, that students are saying they talk to the most about their faith, one out of three are saying that, and then they're also, again, that same number, 33% are saying they attribute the growth to an adult presence in their life, that's their, either their youth pastor or small group leader, again, someone outside of their family, knowing that, what are the important things to look for in a small group leader? Jason, let's talk about it because we have kind of a list here that we've compiled with between us close to about 40 years experience in youth ministry. We've got a, kind of a non-negotiable list and then maybe some negotiables that we're going to talk about, our ideas, our thoughts. Let's get into it. Obviously, the difference between those two is like when you have somebody, an adult who is in your church and is interested in being a part of your ministry, there's this tendency of just accepting anybody who is available and who's willing now that could be dangerous so how we approach that that recruitment process how we approach placing them in their giftings and where you put them in leadership so that's why we broke this list down into non-negotiables and negotiables because sometimes certain things can be like well if they don't have for instance a biblical literacy that is super strong well we can work with that right so right so we're going to jump off we're going to jump into the negotiables first then we'll do the non-negotiables so this segment we're going to talk about traits to look for that are non-negotiable in a small group leader the next segment, just to give you a heads up here for the rest of the episode, we're going to talk about traits to avoid in small group leaders, as well as negotiables. And then the last segment is reasons to dismiss. That's where we're getting into some of the adult content, right? Yep, exactly. All right, negotiables. What are some of the negotiables and things we're looking for in small group leaders? I mentioned the biblical literacy. I believe that's a negotiable it would be not saying that they don't know anything about the Bible, but the level of knowledge that they may have and being able to present that knowledge to the students. You can work with them as a leader, as a another small group leader, as a youth pastor in, in getting them to understand what the Bible is actually saying. And it's that difference between biblical truth versus personal opinion. And if somebody is giving their personal opinion all the time in a small group setting, well, you can pull them aside and kind of guide them and work with them and see growth in their life. So it's not necessarily something that, that you would dismiss them over because they don't know the Bible enough. Right. Now, we were just talking about this. And I was talking about this with my wife last night. This is a, a negotiable for me, but it's counterintuitive what I'm going to say. When I look for a great small group leader, I look for someone that's busy. And I know that sounds the opposite of what you think, or it, again, it might seem counterintuitive. But the reason I look for people that are busy is because those are the people that are really getting things done. 
Uh, if you're familiar with the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, that's a pretty universal rule of thumb with life. But for example, in your church, 20% of your people that attend a local church would typically serve 80% of the time and give 80% of the resources. And then the opposite's true. 80% are only giving 20% of the resources. And I think that's true in life. When you find parents, adults, people that are out there and they're busy, they're engaged in their community, they're engaged in their kids' lives, maybe their parents or other things. I, for me, I look at it and go, it's a negotiable. But when I find people are busy, I may have to try to convince them a little bit more because of their schedule. But a general rule of thumb for me is busy people are people that are just making it happen, getting things done. Another negotiable would be them attending your local church. I don't know what your policy is for the church at large. Some require whoever is serving must also attend the main service of the church. But I... I don't necessarily think this would negate you from the ministry. I know I've had adult leaders that attended other churches, but their kids attended my youth group. And so they still wanted to be involved, even though they may not attend it at large. And so they were solid leaders. Would I just kick them out because they didn't attend? Now, another thing we have in our negotiable list, and this is kind of another interesting, is a passion for students themselves. Are they really interested in students? Now, you may think, well, man, that's like a non-negotiable. Now, maybe. But I do know a lot of people that have served and served well and impacted students, maybe not even necessarily as a small group leader, but in other roles, but they were involved. But they wouldn't say, wow, this is my number one passion life. But they definitely saw the importance of it and they were involved. So and to I, me, that was a non-negotiable. And, and I think once they get involved, that passion grows. Absolutely. They may not know how passionate they can become for youth until they actually are in the environment of youth ministry. Another negotiable would be their availability. They may be available. They may not be available. They may just say, I want to be involved only a couple of weeks to lock them in to have every single Sunday night or every Wednesday night available on their schedule. That's something that you negotiate because if they're a solid leader or if they really want to be involved, you can negotiate that availability. All right. Let's, so let's talk about the non-negotiables. We came up with six of these. Now, we're interested in what yours would be as well. If you're listening to this and you're involved in youth ministry, what your non-negotiables would be for great small group leaders. Number one, and these aren't necessarily in order of priority, no. but but I think this probably is the number one, is character, right? They need to be a person that has good, solid, moral character. And how do you find that out? To me, the most effective way to find out if someone has great character is T-I-M-E. The longer you know them, the more you understand who they are. And what I found for me is that when I brought people on, I felt more comfortable with people that I knew longer. That's why, again, I've always been a huge advocate for long-term commitment to ministry. The last local church that I served in, I was there 11 years. I still attend there. I still serve, not in a staff role. So I've been to this church about 20 years now so far, and that longevity brings something to the table when it comes to knowing the character of your people. Along with that, when you say longevity, you're also talking about dependability and consistency. And that would be something that's non-negotiable because these students need to be able to depend on their small group leader. If you have somebody who's flaking out all the time and calling 15 minutes before the program is supposed to start and saying, I can't show up because something else came up or I'm sick all the time, it's one of those things that you just need to be able to depend on your leaders and depend on people that will show up and kind of ignore everything else in life and that they're consistently there for that student so that that student can rely on that adult leader. It's interesting you bring that up. I'm going to add a little quick story because last year, last school year, 
I was leading in our church, kind of stepped into a, a very part-time youth pastor role with some transition going on there. And our sixth grade guy, small group leader, was inconsistent. I mean, the day of, you never knew if he was there or not. And so I ended up filling in one week and then a couple weeks, and then I inherited these crazy dudes that now they're seventh grade, and I'm with them as their small group leader. And I say this to leaders, it really is 90%. If you're there consistently, if you're a presence, then that gives you credibility and authority in their lives to be able to, to teach and to say things and speak into their lives. But if you're not there, you really haven't earned the right in many ways to be able to, to say things of importance to them. So next non-negotiable, humility and teachability. I say to people that the number one thing that I look for when I um, want to bring people onto a team, especially like hiring here at Never the Same, is humility. It's number one. To me, if the person has a spirit of humility, that to me is more important. I mean, character aside, character obviously is, is I think important. that plays into character. It does, who they for are. sure. So when I think about great small group leaders, I think about leaders that are teachable, that are humble, that come in there with the spirit where they want to learn, where they want to serve. That just carries over into everything they do. Another non-negotiable would be accountable. They are held accountable for the actions and the behaviors that they have that you can also hold them accountable for what they say, what they do, that they have not this alternate life outside of the ministry, but that they are, are known by other adults personally, intimately, that there isn't this like question of, of what they're doing outside of the time that you are gathering. All right, here's another one, non-negotiable, flexibility. Not talking about stretching, Jason. It seems I knew like that's it. that's where you're that's, going. Yeah, elasticizing the muscles. Flexibility. Youth ministry, you got to be patient. You know that anything can happen. We were just joking off air about lock-ins, all the crazy <laughs> things that happen in lock-ins. And, and uh, you know, when you lock students in a room for 16, 18 hours with a bunch of sugar, what Who can knows? you expect, right? Who knows what's <laughs> <Yeah>. going to happen? <laughs> you really think you're going to stick to the schedule that you've got written I've had so many crazy things happen. I've forgotten more than I remember. But when I think of flexibility, I think of some of the international trips I took students on and and plane delays and running through airports and travel and just all kind of. But, you know, if you're not if you're not patient and you're not flexible, you're going to be in big trouble in youth ministry. You just start to become a very squeaky wheel that no one wants to oil. It just as a leader you don't know everything and you and you can't anticipate everything and so you're leading through all those things that change and you have to adapt and everything like that but if you're kind of hoping that your leaders will follow along and adapt with you and be flexible and just be patient with this unknown and then if they are complaining about it if they are rigid to the schedule and say well it says right here we're supposed to be doing this right now and you're like well i understand but you know, a tornado's hitting us right now. So we've got to be flexible. Like we have to move to the basement of this building. I appreciate your time sensitivity to the schedule, but really there's broken glass happening on this campus. <laughs> yeah. And that's a true story. Yeah, that is a true story. <laughs> uh, last one that we have as a non-negotiable is, is wisdom from life experience. It's what I call people that are seasoned in life. People that had some kind of life experience enough to really help them know 
what it means to have wisdom and discernment. Because when you're working with students, they're so impressionable that that wisdom is is more than knowledge. And I think I mentioned you know the difference between the two. There's an old joke like the difference between wisdom and knowledge is knowledge is knowing that tomatoes are a fruit, but wisdom is not putting them in a fruit salad. And that's that's the difference is you can know something, but wisdom says I'm going to take that knowledge and apply it to life. And to me. I think this is the one I put on the non-negotiable is like, I want people that are seasoned in life that have life experience and wisdom. In the next segment, we are going to look at the traits to avoid in small group leaders. Hey, my name is Micah Kephart, and uh, I first engaged with uh, Never the Same. Uh, I was a local pastor and uh, was asked to be a part of uh, worship uh, with NTS. Since then, um, God has called me out of local church and I now lead an organization called Poetis International, and we seek creative justice in the developing world. Uh, namely, we just we want to see the gospel, we want to see the kingdom of heaven uh, become visible in our immediate reality in the lives of the poor and the desperate. And so, as an organization, we exist to empower the poor in the developing world. So now let's talk about things to avoid in great small group leaders, and we're going to start with some negotiables. Again, these are more um, definitely our opinions on things. I mean, the non-negotiables are too, but these are things we don't hold nearly as as, as strong. But uh, first one on the list is lack of faith longevity. What that means is someone who maybe hasn't been a Christian, a believer for that long. I've seen a lot of pitfalls in my experience with people that are brought in that are brand new in their faith, they're learning, and, and a lot of times they're maybe a little bit naive to some of the, let's just say what it is, politics of church work, of ministry, and they think, oh, that should never happen. This is like, you know, a utopian, perfect environment. And I, I've seen that taint and, and really jade a lot of young believers. I, and so I personally think if you're bringing on someone that's younger in their faith, just to really be careful with them and try to protect them. Another negotiable for what to avoid in a small group leader is a stable personal life. So those who are uh, personally taking care of horses. Mm, wow, that's the, unique, Jason. Is that what we were? I don't think that's what we meant when we said stable. I'm just saying. I'm just reading it like it is. Oh, okay. Well. No. What that means is you may look at their life and they may have some instability. They may have some rough patches, edges, stuff like that, that you would describe their personal life and maybe maybe a yellow flag, not necessarily a red flag, but you just kind of are cautioned to it. And it's not saying, hey, you need to avoid this person, but you may have to walk with them a little bit closer in their personal decisions and the things that are coming up on social media where you just go, I don't know if you have a full, stable personal life. Uh, that may translate into what you're communicating to the students in the ministry. So Next one is what we would call cloudy reputation. What we mean by that is people that your reputation maybe isn't super clear. You may not know much about that person. Maybe even have certain questions or intuition that you might feel about something that might give you pause in their reputation. Maybe it's things you've heard people say and that may add up to not feeling super comfortable. And again, this is a judgment call, but I think it's important that as much as possible to have a great small group leader, you want someone with a with a really good reputation that's known. Again, it goes back to even checking out their social media. And if you start to see things that are 
a part of their reputation that's going to translate into the ministry as well and how they lead. And so, yeah, the, the cloudy reputation, the history of short-term commitments. What we mean by that is, do they have a history of just giving up after a, a few weeks? Do they have a history of working at a job for only a little bit and then moving on and, and never feeling settled, never feeling content with what they're lot in life is where they're always moving on to the next thing. Um, the commitments in personal relationships, that is something that you go, I need to look at and kind of gauge whether that's something that you want to bring in to a small group setting. Okay. The next one, Jason, you want me to bring it up or do you want to bring it up? I can bring it up. Okay, go ahead. Because I, but it's negotiable for me, but I know it might be a non-negotiable. It's a little bit more non-negotiable for me. So it's a softer negotiable type of thing for me as, and that is, college students. <laughs> yes, here we go. Let's get into it. So for me, I utilized college students. Now their commitment level was a little bit shady. So maybe that's where your your thought is it's a non-negotiable. I'm maybe a little bit more of a grumpy old man here on this one. And I'll admit <laughs> it because in my experience, college students of all the age ranges of adults I've worked with, they've been by far the worst, the, the least consistent. I'll put it that way, in uh, you know, following through on things, showing up, things like that. So what I always say to college students is, if you're with me, I always tell them, hey, this is my been my experience. Prove me wrong. Like, and I've got some great friends in ministry. I'm thinking of one in particular. If he's listening to this, he probably knows who he is. Um, that he absolutely loved working with college students, and that was just. His thing, he loved the investment in that stage of life and leadership. Um, for me, I just wanted more stability. It was, it was uh, a little less high maintenance, I guess, for me, not having to follow up as much. So for me, it's a it's a negotiable, but it's important. Well, you can play into all the other negotiable traits that we've been discussing. And as a college student, you have a tendency to maybe have a cloudy reputation. I found that some college students they they want to serve, but they also don't want to give up their drinking life or the party lifestyle, I should say. So on social media, there is a portrayal and you go, what are you communicating to the students that I'm trying to lead? The stability in their personal life, they may be jumping from relationship to relationship. So it plays into all these other negotiable traits, but we have it on the list because you got to use your judgment. All right, non-negotiables, let's talk about them. So these are things traits to avoid in a small group leader and mirroring our first segment about things that you are looking for and want, poor character. Number one, people that aren't reliable. I think one of the quick catches is do they do what they say? I've found that in life there's a lot of people that can talk a really good game, but are they really following through? Are they really being the person that they say they are? And if they are, great. But poor character is definitely a non-negotiable with a great small group leader. In that character, there comes this pride. And we believe that pride is one of those non-negotiables. When somebody comes across super prideful, that they have all the answers, they know exactly what to do, that they are the greatest, there is something that I can't work with. That attitude, that, that mindset. And so pride for us is a non-negotiable. And that's the kind of person that's never wrong. Right. And when you're doing something and some something might happen, their default is, well, I didn't do it. And, and, and like you said, Jason, that's tough. All right, next one, 
Number three for a non-negotiable is experimental theologians. We talked about this, Jason, you and I, as we were preparing for this. We don't want someone who is experimenting with their theology with their students. Now, I will say this, that if you're exploring as a theologian, which if you're a youth worker, especially a pastor listening to this, there are growing edges of our theology and places where we're asking questions and maybe asking questions that the answers might scare us if we think about the ramifications. And that's something I always want to continue to learn. And one of my college professors, I talked to him about this. I said, you know, I have a couple people in my life that I ask these crazy, dangerous questions to. And he joked, he called it, you're a heresy buddy. He goes, everybody needs to have a heresy buddy. If you are doing that, I think I think one of the dangers is projecting your life experience onto students. So this happens a lot with younger leaders and younger pastors, particularly probably in their 20s. They are working with students and they're, they're working out their theology, but they're just playing that out real time in front of their students. And I always say, you can't experiment with your theology with students because you may come back later and regret some of the things that you were saying or thinking out loud with your students. They're impressionable. All of a sudden, their small group becomes their Petri dish, and they're just trying various things. And not only just asking questions, but with the intent to kind of guide their students in such a way of thinking that is, it could be heretical. And the last one is making students feel uncomfortable. If a small group leader is one of those people that just seems to not... Um, make a student feel comfortable when that, whenever they are around, whether it's somebody who is invading somebody's personal space a little too much, get a little too close, a little too touchy, whatever that may be for an adult engaging with a student. And if that student or a group of students are saying, this leader doesn't make me feel comfortable, I just, I get tense, I, there's a lot of anxiety or whatever it may be, if that adult has that persona you might want to avoid. I mean, the question is, what do you do if you have an adult leader in your ministry working with students that does make them feel uncomfortable? We're going to talk about that in the next segment because we're going to give some examples. And I've got several of when I found out either directly or indirectly from students that their, their adult leader or an adult leader made them feel uncomfortable in what we do. So we're going to talk about that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about reasons to dismiss adult leaders. NTS is valuable because it takes students out of their ordinary, everyday routine, um, patterns, realities, and brings them into something that is new and fresh, um, and in many ways, unpredictable. And I think in that environment of unpredictability, um, it breaks down uh, a lot of exteriors um, in the life of students so that they can hear from Christ in a fresh way, uh, learn from their friends in a fresh way. And it's been so meaningful for me to be a part of NTS because I've been given an opportunity to help shape that environment, to be used by the Spirit, especially in musical worship, um, for the spirit to move and to break the bonds of those that are oppressed, um, to set many students free, to see the Holy Spirit uh, almost tangibly renew the minds of young people. Um, and it's just been amazing to be a small part of that. 
um, to be a small part of the movement of NTS that continues today and the impact that is made there will continue um, throughout eternity. Now, we're, we're going to get uh, a little deep here. A little Reasons personal. to dismiss. Very personal. This is where the audible discretion stuff comes in for this segment because we're going to share some stories of things that happened with us, with adult leaders, where we had to dismiss them for obvious reasons. For the reasons that are not fun. And those aren't, aren't great conversations to have. They're not easy. But again, I saw myself when I was a pastor and a youth pastor as a protector, a shepherd to those kids, to those students. And and when it comes to anything that I, I thought might endanger them, whether it be a reputation issue, a behavior issue, even a theological issue, I just saw myself as a protector. I'm going to give you one reason to dismiss, and this is a weird one. And I've got some different ways of looking at things that you've heard about earlier in this segment, in this episode, but gut feeling. To me, if I have a gut feeling about a leader... And it's strong enough. And I think another way of putting it is the Holy Spirit. I feel like that gut feeling a lot of times is a check from the Holy Spirit saying, there is something not right here. I learned this from my wife. She is the most intuitive person I think I know. I remember when we were, before even married, we were dating, and there was a a very famous uh, leader that came to our college that was speaking in our chapel. We went to a Christian university. She said to me, there's something not right with him. And she was even specific. She's like, I think he's having an affair. And I'm telling you, like, he didn't talk about anything for me that led would lead me to believe that all anything was happening. And I even looked at her and questioned her. I said, I don't know. And she said, I'm telling you. And sure enough, within a year, it came out that he was having an affair. And what I would say is over my years of experience, I've had gut feelings about people that have been right. We had a student in our ministry I had a weird gut feeling about her. She was just different in a lot of ways. And I was on a mission trip overseas in another country and got word that this student who served in our children's ministry had literally abducted a child and took it from the church. And uh, it was such a crazy scene in our church. And it was so weird that I wasn't there to help in in that scene. But they literally locked our church down until the police went out and found this student with a baby that she had taken from our church, uh, from the nursery, where she was serving. And I went back and go, I had a gut feeling about her. And I've had that with other adult leaders. And I've dismissed adult leaders. Now, Jason, you talk about an awkward conversation when you sit down with an adult. And what do you say to them? Like, dude, you're weird. You make me feel creeped out. I don't, you know, like I'd stumbled my way through those conversations, but I said, I just don't feel right. This is the right time for you to be a leader here and had to dismiss him. Well, it's that question of how do you approach that? gut feeling like if you get a gut feeling and then you approach them like the conversation i it's just weird it's i don't know what what's really going on but there's just this gut feeling you can't really put it into uh, tangible words to describe it but you just know something's wrong and i know for me a gut feeling with these two leaders that served in my ministry there was this gut feeling that something was going on between the two of them but i couldn't put anything on it i just i didn't know exactly if it was true but i just was sensing that they were a little too close a little too personal and you start to observe some of the behaviors between the two and you go something's not right here and 
sure enough, as you start to question and they started to feel like they were being cornered, they started to act like a caged animal and they would lash out at my approach of questioning. In the end, they were having an affair. They were both married with kids and yet they were not married to each other and they were having an affair. And so in that, you have that gut feeling and you have to dismiss them. I mean, it was ugly and awful to deal with, but you go, you can't let that continue in your ministry if you just turn a blind eye. Yeah, and I would say this right now before we go on to the next thing is, if you're a leader listening to this and you have a weird gut feeling about someone in your ministry that's an adult leader with students, pay attention to that gut feeling and do something about it. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to dismiss them. You might need to, but I always take the position of, I would rather err on the side of protecting my students than confronting adults. And and so let me just encourage you to consider and pay attention to things you might be feeling. Another question that you may have is, how do you dismiss someone in the ministry, say, who is a student that is maybe leading a younger ministry? So for instance, a high school student leading a middle school small group, or if you allow that. But a lot of times a high school student is mature enough to be able to lead middle school students in the faith discussion. But what if that high school student is involved uh, with something that they shouldn't or they have inappropriate behaviors or whatever that may be? How do you dismiss them from that ministry? When you have that, you have to protect your middle school students, even though it's a high school student who is also your student. Yeah, a lot of you listening would say, oh, I, I have a high school students helping out in our middle school ministry, and there can be a lot of really good things about it. But one of the pitfalls that maybe you should consider, uh, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but one of the things to consider is whoever you hire, you need to be able to fire. And when it's a high school student, if you fire them as a volunteer, you're almost certainly going to lose them from your ministry, right? You're going to lose them as a student in your ministry. And I've always heard that uh, from people in business. They've said, don't hire anyone that you can't fire. In other words, like if it's a friend or family member, you should really be cautious. And I think that applies here with high school students. If you're bringing them in, make sure that you're able to handle that situation if you feel like they need to be dismissed. So that happened to me where I had a high school student who was serving in the middle school ministry. We had a lock-in. One of the worst decisions ever made in youth ministry is to... Who came uh, up with lock-ins? I don't know, but the you concept. We just, should find that person. Just bring in a bunch of middle school students and sugar them up, and, and then you just... Yeah. But this high school student was serving with middle school students, and during the time when everyone is typically asleep, he's caught doing something inappropriate. And how do you dismiss that person for doing such inappropriate things. In this situation, having to dismiss this student, again, it, it puts the relationship at risk. You gotta be careful there. So we've talked about high school students' inappropriate behavior. We've talked about gut feelings. Another one is inappropriate social media posts. Let's talk about that one. Yeah, we mentioned that a little bit earlier in the, the episode where you start to look at one of your leader's social media feed and notice some sort of behavior that you you question because they are leading students and one of them was drinking having to see that again that goes back to maybe a college student and you see that they are completely involved in the party scene at their college and yet they come to your ministry and they are leading middle school and high school students and so when a student is asking that leader in regards to that topic, 
they cannot say it's inappropriate. They cannot honestly be like, no, don't do it. This is not right for you. It's something that they are leading by example and their example is not something that I would personally want uh, communicated to the students. And, and I think being a, a watcher online of, of what people are doing in your ministry is really important. And I know that can, people joke around, you can kind of borderline stalk people, and I get that. You don't want to do that. You don't want to become like a sheriff, but you also want to be aware, and I think that's important. And, you know, for me, with, with certain people that I, you know, look up to and follow, like, I even check to see, like, if they like something, you know. And um, boy, just being so careful. I think a way to be proactive on this end is to tell your adult leaders, hey, I'm watching and your students are watching. Most importantly, your students are watching. They're checking out what you're doing. And so as you consider great leaders, you also want them to think about what their social media world represents. I tell people here when I hire them on that your social media represents this organization. And even though it's your personal space, we are accountable for the things that you're saying. And so we have a few guidelines. You know, we don't have any hard and fast rules, but but we have a few guidelines and things I mentioned. I think that's that's important. I had a female adult leader who was new to the faith. She wanted to join the ministry. She was interested in being involved in youth ministry, and she was a former stripper. God had gotten a hold of her life. She had changed her ways. It was great. She was super passionate about students. A student years later brought it up to one of the female leaders about her social media feed, in particular Instagram and the pictures that she was posting on Instagram indicated that she wasn't any different than when she was a stripper. And so you have that and you go, do you dismiss them or do you walk them through and you know, they're continuing to lead the students, but that inappropriate pictures on a, an account that wasn't even really her name, I guess. It was one of those hidden type of things, but she didn't really move on from that past lifestyle. So much of, of, of these issues, um, some of it may be somewhat of a judgment call. I think in this particular situation you mentioned, when students are catching on to you know, inappropriate Instagram feeds. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big one, but others might be a little bit more, um, of gray areas where you go, well, what do we do? And I think so much of it has to do with their response when you go and talk to them. And I I've thought of all the years I've worked with, with leaders and I've approached them about concerns or questions. And if they get super defensive and like you said earlier, like a caged animal, if they get really aggressive or defensive, then to me, that's a sign that I've, I've hit a I've hit a nerve there. Something's something's there to be explored or to know. If there's a humble response, totally different scenario. And the next thing that we have as a reason to dismiss is someone who is divisive or insubordinate. And I remember a youth pastor that that I admire from the past. I heard him say this in a class. He was teaching on youth ministry and then I heard him say this to his adult leaders, and he said this on a regular basis to them, but he said, if I ever hear of you saying anything negative about me, my leadership, our ministry, you're gone, no questions asked. And I thought that sounded, I heard this early on, and I thought that sounded pretty harsh. And it took me a while to wrap my mind around the heart behind that. But I can tell you in my years of experience, being on both sides of that, and having adults that were insubordinate and were divisive, 
boy, the trouble that caused, the confusion, uh, the lack of clarity, the I, it just caused so many issues, and there was so much collateral damage. So I think uh, he was he was very blunt in how he said it. I may, if it were me, I'd maybe soften a little bit, but I think that's definitely uh, high on my list. Anyone that's causing division or insubordinate to leadership there really should be gone. The last one on our list may be obvious, but the inappropriate behavior towards students and other leaders. And when we are expecting them to lead them with with such character, and then they start to be inappropriate in the comments that they say, getting a little bit too touchy-feely, um, that is a concern to me. That is something that um, raises a red flag. And I remember having a, a leader who was a, a college student, was darn college students, but because I'm telling you the college age, they're not married, they're, they're right out of high school, and so they think that they can be in a relationship with one of the high school students. And so if you catch it early on and just kind of guide them through it, it's not necessarily something that they need to be dismissed over, but if they're in those relationships and they, it just, it creates so much confusion uh, and just inappropriateness and just something that I would just stay completely clear of. So watching that behavior, there's been instances where I've seen adults and um, I've said, you know, whether they're aware of it or not, their perception, their self-perception of their behavior is, is just non-existent. I mean, it just, you can't act that way around students. Some of it's even physical proximity, you know, like being just right in the face of students. And we've kind of leaned more here on this one with inappropriate behavior on the sexuality, but it also can be in terms of codependency, also in ways that they may talk to students that's demeaning. Again, our ministries need to be havens. They need to be a place where students can enter in and feel like I am loved here and I'm safe to be who I am. So I think anyone who casts a shadow of doubt on that in our environment, it's super important to know that as well. So amongst all of our discussion today about the small group leader, out of all the four options of adults in students' lives, a small group leader, friends, parents, youth pastors, we found that small group leaders were the top answers in the influence that they have in the spiritual life of a student. And having a strong small group leader in your youth ministry is vital to the depth of the spiritual life of a student. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Welcome to the bonus segment where you can find all the updates in regards to the Claim Your Campus 2020 event that we are doing in the year 2020 on July 4th weekend. If you have listened at all this season, you probably have experienced the trickle effect where you have gotten little bits of information in regards to this event, but we here in the bonus segment want to provide any updates that come along our way so that we can share it with you. The most recent update is just a, an encouraging word from the band for King and Country. They wanted to encourage you to attend, to be a part of the event, Claim Your Campus 2020. So let's hear what they have to say. To every youth leader, every student, yeah. 
It's Joel and Luke here with the band King Country, sending our greeting, yep. first of all, and secondly... Big news. Big news, we're just announcing that in 2020, yeah. we are going to be part of Claim Your Campus. Yes, hope to see you, your friends, your high schools, and all you youth leaders out there, we hope to see you there. Until then, carry on. Our goal for the event is to see 10,000 middle schools and high schools represented at the event itself. And so if you are interested in participating, if you are interested in becoming an adult advocate, if you want to see your school and your community be represented at this event, go to ClaimYourCampus2020.com. There you will find more information. Check it out. ClaimYourCampus2020.com.